a world of information, advice and support available 24-7. The best way to stay current with great ideas. Love and support. Uplifting and reassuring. A constant source of inspiration and positive thinking. Like a staff room without cynics. Gives you a sense of belonging. An unlimited resource. A very supportive bunch of like-minded people. The reason I'm where I am today. A source of mad sanity in the crazy world of teaching. Feel the love. You're listening to the MFL Twitterati podcast, the podcast celebrating the voices of languages teachers from around the world. This is episode nine, The Power of International Collaboration. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the MFL Twitterati podcast, the podcast aimed at language teachers wanting to find new ways of enhancing language learning with and without the use of technology. My name is Noah Geisel. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, podcast buddy and partner in crime, Joe Dale. Joe, how have you been? Well, no, since the last episode, I received this short and sweet piece of feedback from Zaragoza Lass, which is lovely. And let's listen to that now before we get into the main conversation. Hi, Joe and Noah. Just to let you know that I really enjoyed the episode eight of the podcast, especially the information about escape rooms. Zaragoza Lass here. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much for that awesome feedback. And speaking of work, Joe, you mentioned some work that you've got going on just in your home last episode. How's that going? Well, good question. They've done all the main structural work now, which is a relief, and they're going to be putting in the kitchen and doing the plastering soon. But as we speak right now, we don't have any central heating and we don't have any hot water and no cold water upstairs. So apart from that, it's all going really, really well. But the main thing I wanted to talk about in relation to what's uh, happening right now in my life is the fact that my little boy, the munchkin, as he's known on Twitter, started primary school. So he's five years old already. Incredible how time flies. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that he's loving it. He likes his teacher. He likes his classmates. It's just fantastic. It's interesting when I've asked him the first few days, so what have you done in school today? And he says, well, I don't know. You know, And I, th- I was expecting to uh, hear that when he was going to be a teenager. But in fact, he's doing that at the age of five. But never mind. But no, it's lovely. And uh, we're really <laughs> delighted that, uh, that he's settled in so well. Well, that's really exciting as parents. Yeah, absolutely. And then on professional um, side of things, I'm looking forward to keynoting an MFL conference in Abu Dhabi in October. That's at BSAC, B-S-A-K. And also just got involved with a British Council project going to Algeria and uh, supporting them there as well, which is very, very exciting and could be something I'm going to be involved in for the next three years or so. We'll see how it goes. And Noah, what about you? How have you been recently? Mostly overwhelmed. Um, really exciting uh, stuff, though. I uh, had a chance to meet with someone from the Department of Education all the way from Washington, D.C. to share about digital badges. I'm getting uh, set for a pretty exciting keynote myself all the way down in uh, Colombia, where uh, a guest of the podcast, Diego Ojeda, is also going to be giving a talk at the same conference. I'm really excited to reunite with him for the first time in a few years. And I'm also dabbling on the tech side with building some VR environments. I've definitely bitten off a little more than I can chew in trying to explore how might we use virtual reality with uh, professional development and and teacher training to help uh, leaders communicate their ideas and their thinking with the teachers they're leading. That's really amazing stuff, Noah. I'd love to meet uh, Diego myself face-to-face. I've been to the States, as you know, a couple of times, but I've not had the opportunity to meet him yet, but I would certainly love to in the future. So before we get into the radar section of the podcast, we have an exciting announcement from our sponsor, Linguiscope. Here it is. That's right, Joe. Our sponsor, Linguiscope.com, is offering every single one of our listeners a free 10-pound voucher to spend on downloadable products from their online shop until the end of October. Anything from ebooks, downloadable songs, e-posters, and more, 
All you have to do to claim your 10-pound voucher is go to linguiscope.com slash podcast and add at least 10 pounds worth of downloadable products into your cart. Then quote the promo code podcast at checkout. And Joe, for anybody who hasn't been on the website, I highly recommend checking out the language-specific dice as well as the downloadable ebooks. As a Spanish teacher, I'm certainly interested in the Que Comico downloadable ebook. And as we said before on the podcast, we're incredibly grateful to Linguoscope for being our sponsors. It's very much appreciated and um, long may that continue. So Joe, let's get into our radar segment. What has been on your radar this episode? Well, no, as this episode is all about the power of collaboration, I thought for my radar section, it would be a good idea to go back to basics and hear from an MFL Twitterati member known as Bella Tots on her reflections on the power of collaborating through the MFL Twitterati hashtag. Hi, Joe. Thanks for asking me to um, give my insight and share my enthusiasm, really, on finding the MFL Twitterati forum. I'm Kate at Bella Tots Tweet. And I'm really happy to say that I'm a recently qualified teacher now, having just finally got through my NQT last year. I'm um, a teacher of Spanish and French at a Roman Catholic school in Rochdale. And last month, Joe asked me to share my thoughts, really, on the MFL Twitterati account uh, forum. And the key thing for me was that before I actually found it last year, I hadn't really used Twitter and it's thanks to Danielle Warren that I actually rediscovered really the uh, MFL Twitterati account because before that I'd mainly been using, as I said, the secondary MFL matters on Facebook, which was absolutely great and still is great. But I went on, followed um, Danielle and had a look at her Twitterati and thought, oh, all these Twitter accounts, there is so much information. And it was just on that one night, I can't even remember which night it was, such an eye opener of looking on the forum and seeing all these other teachers, teachers like me, NQTs, teachers that have been teaching for years and years, sharing their resources, sharing their lesson plans, all for free, sharing their advice, sharing what had worked, other things that were trendy, that were working. And it really was a life changer. So if you want to do anything as a newly qualified teacher or someone that's wanting new ideas, fresh ideas, I can't recommend the MFL Twitterati forum enough. Not only does it save me time, it's giving great advice, something new, and um, it's been a life changer. So I have a great big thank you. Great message there from Bella Tots. I'm sure that resonated with lots of the MFL Twitterati listeners to the podcast. What about you, Noah? What's on your radar at the moment? Thanks so much, Joe. You know, for my radar, I'm really interested in the international aspect of collaboration and global classroom exchanges. We've been seeing now for a number of years the kind of mystery Skype approach, as well as, you know, classrooms just connecting meaningfully on their own. There's a number of just lists out there where people are putting out their information to connect with other classrooms. And one effort that I think is just really powerful is the empatico.org website where they have a, not just a platform, but also curriculum. And here they are to tell you more about it. Empatico is a 100% free online tool for teachers to connect their students to other classrooms around the world. Empatico combines live video conferencing and high-quality activities designed to foster meaningful connections among partner classrooms. Our mission is to connect children and communities who are different to foster kindness, perspective-taking, and respect. Empatico is an all-in-one platform that makes it easier than ever to bring virtual connections to your classrooms. We provide a live video conferencing tool, potential matches for you to choose a partner class, built-in messaging and scheduling, file sharing, and research-based activities. 
When you sign up for Empatico and verify your account, you'll select your student ages, your typical schedule, the activities you are interested in, and the language you'd like to connect in. Currently, Empatico exchanges are available in English and Spanish. You can then view and request potential matches with other educators who have similar activity interests, student ages, and schedules. Once you are matched, you can use our messaging tool and the teacher chat button in our video tool to plan your exchange. You can then send an invitation using our easy scheduling tool to select your activity and the specific date and time you want to connect. Connect your classroom to the world. Sign up for Empatico today. That's really interesting, Noah. Thanks ever so much for sharing that. I hadn't actually heard of Empatico before, but I did a quick Google and I found that uh, Cool Cat teacher, i.e. Vicky Davis, had blogged about it. And there was a really nice uh, little video there of a, a two class teachers meeting up, i.e. one teacher was like a thousand kilometers away from the uh, the other class and they were regularly um, meeting via Skype. And then in this video, you had the reveal of the teacher coming into the classroom, meeting the primary school children. It was really heartwarming and, and lovely. And it just shows that's uh, one example of how international collaboration can create opportunities which are going to be life-changing. So that was really cool. Also, a similar service is uh, Billy, which is by a former language teacher from the Harris Federation. Remember, we had David Shanks on in episode two of the podcast, and his name is Charlie Foote, and he decided to leave the classroom and to start up his own website for creating international exchange possibilities, and that's called Billy, B-I-L-I. We're going to hear from Charlie right now to explain a little bit more about the program. Hello. My name is Charlie Foote. I'm a former French and German teacher and a founder of Billy, which is an online language exchange website. Our Twitter handle is Billy, B-I-L-I, underscore languages. I set up Billy to address the challenge of connecting students directly to native speakers. I wanted to provide my students with a chance to communicate on a regular basis with students around their age and actually apply the language that they were learning in the classroom in a real context. So how does Billy work? Well, we connect students directly to partners in the language that they're learning. We work with schools and their partner schools, or also work with schools to find partner schools in the different countries that we might be working in. Teachers then add their students who are paired directly to individual partners according to their interests. The students then respond to the tasks which are set by their teachers and send messages to their partners, which are responded to in their native language. Students in this way are able to support each other, both in their written language, but also through audio and video communication as well. Additionally, we have features such as live chat, forum, and a video app, which is available to schools to use as well. We've worked with right away from primary schools up to more recently working with at university level. And I believe passionately that this is something that's integral to language learning at any level, giving students a real insight into the language and more importantly, the people and peers at the level that they are at. We'd love to hear from you if you're interested. Please do drop me a message. Our website is www.billy.uk.com. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie Foote, so much for sharing about Billy. And, you know, Joe, we've talked a lot in different episodes about privacy concerns, about just ethical uses of technology, you know, and I think when we start exploring collaboration across classrooms, you know, these services like this are something that are really, you know, going above and beyond to ensure that they're compliant with European and U.S. law. And also, you know, keeping costs down, right? You know, for folks who don't know about Empatico, it was actually started by the Kind Foundation. We have these snack bars in the United States called Kind Bars. 
And, uh, you know, they, they want to spread kindness through their nonprofit foundation. And so Empatico, as a result, is this, you know, service is free and hopefully will always be free. That's amazing. So for those people who don't really know where to start and in getting involved in international collaboration, certainly those are two possibilities, as well as e-twinning, which we're going to hear a lot more about later on in the episode. Great stuff. Okay, so I think we've come to the takeaway section now of the podcast. And for my takeaway section, we're going to hear from Raquel Toller, who's going to be talking about how she organized a recent trip to Spain for her primary students. I actually heard Raquel speak about this live in an event which I took part in recently in Hackney, and I was really, really inspired, nay, moved when I heard her talk about it. So we're going to hear her audio now, and I'm sure you'll be moved as well. Hi, everyone. My name is Raquel Tola. I teach Spanish at Parkwood Primary School, and I also organize trips to Spain once a year with my year five pupils. The first time we were able to take pupils to Spain was back in 2017, thanks to a grant from our local authority. After our pupils came back from the trip, telling everyone about their experience, a full week immersed in the Spanish culture, going to Spanish school, eating Spanish school dinners, talking to locals, looking around the Spanish town and living the Spanish lifestyle was fantastic. Everybody wanted to go on that trip. Parents wanted the trip to become something regular in school and so did we as a team. When we got back the next academic year in September 2017, the year five pupils asked about this trip on the first day back. When are we going to Spain? How many days are we going to go for? And the head teacher and myself thought, well, how are we going to organize the trip this year? We don't have any money. So we got creative and planned a few fundraising event cinema night with movies in spanish what is now our annual valentine's disco fiesta and also an agreement to take a little bit of the money that we raise on the summer affair and the winter fair school families only have to pay 150 pounds that they can actually pay in installments and every child in year five can come on the trip this year, we went back again, and we just recently got back at the end of May, and the experience has been even better than previous years, to the point that I have parents asking me to help them look for Spanish schools in London for their children to go to when they go to secondary. They want Spanish specialist schools. They want their children to keep learning the language and not only that, they are planning summer holidays to Spanish-speaking countries because that is how much impact this trip has had in their families. Everyone should be taking pupils to all the countries to practice their language. Spain, France, Italy, Germany are obviously very close, probably cheaper to go to than other countries. Why do we always wait until secondary school to take children abroad? time is now, the opportunity is there, and it just gives them one more purpose to learn the language. So go for it. Raquel, truly inspirational stuff there from a teacher who just has night terrors, even thinking about walking primary students down the hallway to the cafeteria. The fact that you took them internationally across borders is just an inspiration, and I'm sure an experience those students will never forget. 
Yeah, really, really inspirational, Noah. Great stuff. So what about your contribution for this takeaway section of the podcast? Yeah, Joe, as you and our listeners know, we've definitely have talked about virtual reality a few times on this podcast, and we've addressed how it can really quite easily be gimmicky if it's not used purposefully and intentionally. And so that's why I really love this example by at Miss Marnie 2 and her use of Google Tour Creator and Google Street View that she used in order to give her new students a tour of her classroom. Really great idea, inspired by History Sandoval. And here's Miss Marnie 2 to tell us all about it. Hello, I'm Natalie Marnie. I'm a primary school teacher from West Lothian in Scotland. You can follow me on Twitter at Miss Marnie 2 This idea came from a teacher in America on Twitter at History Sandoval. It's a 360 street view of your classroom uploaded via Google Tour Creator. It's really great for learners that require extra support with transition and also it's just really cool. It's very simple to do. You don't need any special equipment. Just download the Google Street View app onto any device with a camera and you want to click on the, an orange circle icon with a little camera. When you're taking the picture, you'll see orange spots appear around the room and you want to capture that with the circle. Every time the circle captures an orange spot, it takes a photo um, and you do that until you've captured the whole 360. You've got to try and remain in the same position, which is tricky, but practice doesn't quite make perfect, but it does get better. Once you've got your full 360 photo, you can save it to your device and then you want to upload it onto Google Tour Creator on the website. I couldn't find an app for that. On there, you'll be able to add a title, a description, points of interest and even audio. When it's complete, you can share it publicly or you can just click on the link, copy the link from your saved project and then you can share that on Twitter or wherever. It really is that simple. Yeah, definitely not gimmicky at all. A really interesting way of using virtual reality to allow her students to explore her classroom at the start of the academic year. As we know, most uh, schools in the Northern Hemisphere will be starting their, their school year in September. And so what a great way of using virtual reality to allow students to feel comfortable and familiar with everything in their classroom. Great stuff. Absolutely, Joe. And carrying on with the Google theme, along with international collaboration, next up we have H. Trudy 07, Heidi Trudy, a award-winning teacher from Virginia here in the United States. And Joe, I know this had to get on your radar because it had everything to do with app smashing. It did, of course. Of course, um, as you know, I have a Twitter search for app smashing. So from time to time, I'll delve into the Twitter archives to see what's come up about app smashing. And this certainly came on my radar. I know we're in the takeaway section now, but it certainly came up on my radar, the fact that the amazing Heidi Trude had uh, won the Flipgrid App Smash Madness competition in 2019. And I just thought that was really inspirational and a great example of how you can use technology to promote international collaboration, which is why we wanted to include it in the podcast for this episode. Hi, my name is Heidi Trude, and you can find me on Twitter at htrude07. And I'm a French teacher in the United States. Today, I'd like to share with you all about an app smash I created using Google My Maps, Screencastify, and Flipgrid. This app smash allowed my students to highlight their towns in the target language and share them with their partner school in France. To start out with this project, I first asked my students to use Google My Maps. Within Google My Maps, the students were able to create a map of their town with at least five map pins of the places they wanted to highlight in the town. In each map pin, I asked the students to include a photo as well as a description written in the target language about that place and why they liked it. After the students created their map, they then used the screencasting tool, Screencastify, to record their town tour. 
Screencastify allows users to record both their screen and their voice at the same time and automatically saves their video to Google Drive. Finally, after the students had made their video on Screencastify, the students then uploaded their videos to Flipgrid to share with our partner school in France. By uploading the videos to Flipgrid, this allowed the students in France and in my classroom in the U.S. to see each other's town tours and respond to those town tours as well. Why I really like this activity and how it enhances the learning is it allowed the students to make cultural comparisons by looking at the town in France and the town in the U.S. and seeing what was alike and what was different. Overall, those students absolutely loved the project. They loved being able to highlight their towns and what was important to them and seeing how towns in France were both similar and different to towns in the United States. The students said it was one of their favorite activities, and this is definitely a project that I'm going to continue using in my classroom. So I hope you all enjoyed learning a little bit about the app smash of Google My Maps, Screencastify, and Flipgrid, and hopefully you'll try it out in your classrooms very soon. Thanks! So Noah, have you met Heidi personally? I've absolutely had the pleasure. She's just a delight and a treasure to the profession. As I mentioned, she was an award-winning teacher. She was uh, actually a finalist for the National Language Teacher of the Year. I'm hoping to see her actually coming up here in November at the annual ACFL conference that's right in her backyard. Wow, amazing stuff. That's really, really cool. Now, similarly, talking about map tools, we're now going to hear from Ivana underscore Stanley, who's been using the flyover tools in Apple Maps to help her learners explore places from around the world, and also Google Street View in Google Maps, running treasure hunts and practicing directions with her students. Over to Ivana. Hello, this is Ivana underscore Stanley um, to talk a bit about using Apple Maps and Google Maps in your classroom. First of all, Apple Maps has a nice feature called Tour. And so if you go to a larger town or city, you can press the Tour button and it will fly you through the city or the town visiting places of interest. You could use this if you're going to go on a trip uh, so that the students can see the place they're visiting or you could just ask them to name the kinds of building they see, for example. In Google Maps, first of all, obviously you can just use it as a map. You can give students directions to get from one place to another. But also you can go into Google Street View by clicking on the map and dropping a pin. Then on the left-hand side, a picture will appear. If you click on that, then you're into street view so you can navigate around the streets of a town. I've used this with our year seven classes who are all named after Spanish towns so I've given them various things to find out in a little treasure hunt so that they get to know their town a bit better. You could also use it when you've taught directions to get them from one place to another. As the people etc don't move around you could use it and ask students to describe what the people are wearing for example. You could get them to say what kind of buildings they can see. In the app, you can actually measure the distance between one place and the next. So if you're planning a trip, why not use that to make sure that you know exactly how to get from A to B and how long it might take you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks ever so much to Ivana there for sharing how she's been using maps in the languages classroom. And don't worry, listeners, we're going to give you a list of flyover tours in Apple Maps in our show notes. Speaking of flyovers, Joe, we are flying through this episode of the podcast. And before we land in our show and tell section, I'd love for you to share just one more reminder for our listeners about the awesome promotion that our sponsor, Linguiscope.com, is sharing with listeners. 
would be my pleasure, Noah. So our sponsor, Linguascope, as we said already, is offering every one of our listeners a free £10 voucher to spend on downloadable products from their online shop until the end of October. Anything from ebooks, downloadable songs, e-posts and more. To claim your £10, all you need to do is go to linguascope.com forward slash podcast, add at least £10 worth of downloadable products to your cart, then quote promo code podcast at checkout. And as a former French teacher, I'd really recommend having a look at these stickers which are available on the Linguascope shop. What a great way of celebrating attainment as well as giving rewards to those students who deserve it. Great stuff. The MFL Twitter Audi Podcast is brought to you by Linguascope. Linguascope.com is an award-winning language learning website trusted and used daily by thousands of schools worldwide. When your school subscribes to Linguascope, students get access to a wealth of interactive activities in a dozen different languages with over 140 topics covered. The games can be played on interactive whiteboards, computers, or on tablets. There are free apps students can download on their own devices. All students and staff can log in both from school as well as from home, making it ideal for homework, too. The website also contains a host of resources to make teachers' lives easier, from printable worksheets to customizable interactive games templates. If Linguascope is new to you, then you'll feel like all of your Christmases have come at once. Teachers truly find Linguascope.com invaluable, and you will soon notice the positive impact on your students' motivation and learning. But don't take our word for it. Visit Linguascope.com and click on Learn More to find out what the website has to offer. We guarantee that you will fall in love with Linguascope. Okay, no, we've now come to the show and tell section of the MFL Twitter RT podcast. As we know, it's all about international collaboration. And I'm incredibly excited to play you lots and lots of bits of audio from teachers from around the world on how they've been integrating international collaboration within their language teaching lessons. And to kick us off, I think it's very appropriate that we're going to hear from Vicky Amy's mum and Yorkshire John, both two stalwarts of the British Council, who have facilitated many, many, many different projects for the various programmes they're going to be talking about in a moment to allow teachers to go on to free PD as well as students to go to other countries. And we're very grateful to the British Council for all the work they do in this area. And let's now hear from Vicky Amy's mum and Yorkshire John to tell us more. Hello, I'm Vicky Goff. I'm lead for Modern Languages at the British Council and my Twitter handle is at Vicky Amy's mum. Hello, I'm John, John Rolfe. I'm the school's outreach manager at the British Council and my Twitter handle is at Yorkshire John. It's great to be talking on the podcast about the enormous value, the power, the benefits of international education. This is what the British Council has been involved with and we're proud we've been doing international education now for 85 years. It's always been at the heart of our mission to bring young people together, to bring educators together. And we're very proud, particularly this year, because it's the 20th anniversary of our International School Award. At the heart of all our work, whether it's connecting classrooms through global learning, whether it's e-twinning, whether it's all our fabulous free resources, this really adds benefit and huge impact across every school across the UK and globally. It's incredibly important that we all learn together in this globally interdependent world, that all of us work together, all of us learn together. And at the heart of our work in the UK and those 110 countries are to bring young people together. That face-to-face engagement is incredibly important. And there are huge benefits for the young people, for the teachers and the wider community. And now Vicky's going to tell you something about the fantastic school exchanges offer. 
Thanks, John. So within that offer, learning languages is hugely important. That gives you an insight into another culture and broadens your horizons and opens you up to the world. So as well as teaching English all over the world, the British Council is really keen that people in this country, particularly young people, have the chance to learn another language and have the chance to use it in a real circumstance with young people in other countries. And we're really excited about the grants for school exchanges that are available for UK English secondary schools at at the moment that can enable you to take a group of pupils to a partner school anywhere in the world. So it doesn't have to have a language focus, but of course it's great that it does. And up to 100% of the costs can be covered. And this is aimed at particularly providing that international experience for the most disadvantaged pupils. And so please think about applying for that kind of exchange. Thanks, Vicky. So do get involved. Everything's at the all the w's.britishcouncil.org forward slash school resources. They're all free. They're all ready to download. We believe in the relevance and importance of languages of collaboration and communication. And a big thanks to the most important people in the world, educators across the globe who are doing this fantastic work every day. Thank you so much for that contribution from Vicky, Amy's mum and Yorkshire John. You are such an inspirational duo and you've helped so many language teachers over the years. We are very, very grateful for all your support and your professionalism. It's just amazing. So as I've said already, we're going to hear from different language teachers now talking about the impact of using international collaboration in the languages classroom and in particular programmes that they've been involved in from the British Council, such as e-twinning, connecting classrooms and Erasmus+. Plus. And you're going to hear listeners a common thread that lots of teachers talk about, about the power of giving students the opportunity of using language for real purposes with their international peers and learning about each other's cultures and backgrounds. Yeah, fantastic stuff, Joe. It's been a real pleasure for me just to learn about all these efforts from the British Council as a part of doing this episode of the podcast. Who do we have up first? Okay, so first of all, we have Natalie Burdett 9 and Alex underscore S underscore MFL, who are going to be sharing some tips on how to get started with international collaboration in the languages classroom, as well as share their insights on the value of doing this. Hi, it's at Natalie Burdett 9. I've been asked to talk to you about global collaboration, and I feel really passionately about this. It really makes learning real for children. It's about them learning from real people, gives their learning more of a purpose, they're learning firsthand, and they can learn things from from people abroad that I might not know or I can't tell them. So we've had a couple of links abroad. I teach MFL, so obviously I've done more of this. We wanted to teach Spanish, so we wanted to link up with a Spanish school. So we literally just put an appeal out on Twitter. We're looking to teach some Spanish. Is there a Spanish school who wants to join up with us? We ended up loading a video tour of our school. Children asked questions about what school was like over there. What time did school finish? Did they have a longer break? And then we sent this to the Spanish school via email. They sent us one back, same with the video tour and their children answering the questions. And really, it was amazing. Those children were so excited when they got that. And it was things that they wanted to know, made it real to them. We wanted to find out about Chinese New Year. So we went online, looked up some other schools. We emailed a school in Beijing and said, you know, can you send us some information? How are you celebrating Chinese New Year? What it's like over there? And they sent us loads of pictures and photos and and real information about, you know, what they do to celebrate that tradition. So there's lots of things that you can do. It can be done for other subjects too. You know, we had somebody in geography wanting to learn about animals and climate and, you know, find out a bit more information about what life was like over there. They put a Twitter bill out and asked people to send postcards from their country. And they got postcards back from all over the world. Children were so excited. 
it can be also a really valuable thing to value the global community you've got in your own school. So we've got lots of children from other countries. We allow them to teach their home language to the rest of the class. We give them the chance to talk about their traditions, to talk about festivals they celebrate. You know, what was it like? What was German school like? What was it like when you lived in France? Did you learn the same things as us? And it can be really powerful when children are learning from each other. So take advantage of those. I, I think we're really lucky with the speed now. I remember, you know, 15 years ago having to wait two weeks for letters to come back from France. Trying to keep that enthusiasm going when there's that delay is really hard. We don't have that anymore. So we have Twitter, we have email, we have YouTube. We can upload things online and within seconds it's there. So we should really be taking advantage of this and, and making global links whenever we can. It's about now not just teaching language, but also you know, trying to give them some sense of global identity and give them an understanding of, of what other countries are like and developing this sense of global tolerance and is much more than it was before. So go ahead and make those global links. It's a really valuable thing to do and it has been for me. So thank you for listening. Bye. Hi, I'm Alex and my Twitter name is at Alex underscore S underscore MFL. I've been asked to talk about how I think setting up international links can really enhance language learning for students. I do think, you know, setting up a link with a partner school abroad isn't always easy, can require a bit of patience, but it, it really can pay off. If you haven't tried doing this before, I would really recommend it. The obvious way in which teachers can can use these links is for pen pal letters and emails, which, you know, really does bring the language to life. I'm sure quite a lot of us have done this before. But I do think, especially if you are a UK-based teacher, there isn't a lot of exposure to foreign languages. So it really does make the students more conscious of the fact that not everyone can speak English fluently around the world and there is a need to communicate. In terms of confidence for students, is a big confidence builder. Often I find with my students that they realise that their languages can be better than the foreign students and then they are quite surprised by that. This obviously leads to, you know, more enthusiasm for the subject, the build-up of excitement you get when you receive the letters or the, the emails or whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, I find it doesn't really have to be a big extra effort. It can just be part of your normal scheme of work that you do. And in terms of the format of the, the work that the students do, it can be things, you know, standard things like pen pal letters, but it could be even things such as Skype calls, you know, students love being able to actually meet their pen pals and see them, discover what life is like for them, have actual conversations with them. There are a lot of online tools now that can facilitate communication, things like Flipgrid, Google Drive, uh, things like that. And I think, you know, above all, we are learning a skill or we're getting, trying to get the students to learn a skill, like in many other subjects, but we're not really putting this to use like we should. So I always think of it in terms of in PE, would students learn the techniques of, of football and then never actually play a football match? That, that would seem quite silly, but we never really think about that. You know, and these links can lead to exchange visits and trips in the future. And, you know, really is that, isn't that why we're getting our students to, to learn languages? So overall, I'd give it a go if you've never tried it. See how a relationship with a partner school goes. If it doesn't work out, try another link. Once it's set up, it does become easier to continue the link going forward. But you can always check the British Council's Connecting Classrooms platform or the e-twinning platforms um, to help you do this. Great stuff there from Natalie and from Alex talking about the value of international collaboration. We're now going to hear from Madam Lennon, who talks about the excitement that her Year 7s felt when receiving their pen pal letters from their partner school. And... Another heartwarming story from the legendary Stephen Fawkes, who appeared on a previous podcast, about a pen pal connection which has lasted over 50 years. Great stuff. Hello, I'm Madam Lennon, and I recently tweeted about my year sevens, who have just sent letters to the school where I used to work in in France. It's a pen pal project that I've been running for four years, and we usually start around January when the year sevens I've got the graphs of the basics of French and continue to like the end of the year. So in that time, we get around two or three replies. 
When we send the first letters, the kids are quite excited about it, but I'd say it doesn't feel real yet. And it's the moment when they get their first replies that they're just absolutely delighted. And yeah, the letters, they're, they're beautiful. They're on colored paper, covered in stickers and lots of personal touches. And then my kids are really eager to know how to talk about themselves, to reply to the questions that they've been asked by their pen pal. And they want to ask their new pen pal lots of questions as well. So yeah, it's, it really motivates them and it helps them discover things about people living in another country. They realise that these are real people and they can communicate with them. To help them write the letter, I provide them with a template, but within that template, they can just like write whatever they want about themselves and ask whatever questions they want. And I aim like not to correct it too much because the idea is that the kids in France will see that we make mistakes and they will make mistakes too when they send us the letters, but we can still understand each other. So it's all about communication. I'm really proud of my year sevens and yeah, they've done really well. And I really hope to keep this project going for as long as I can. I'm Stephen Fox, and that's at Stephen Fox on Twitter. And I'm talking about the importance of pen pals. So first I need to introduce you to Jean-Marc, who was my pen pal. Jean-Marc and I met in 1970. So next year is going to be our 50th anniversary of being friends. Using the term pen pal quite loosely, as to my memory, I have only ever received two letters from Jean-Marc. He's not very penny by nature. However, he is a very good friend and we have made excellent connections over those many years. The first time I went to visit him in France, his family lived in the Rhone Valley. He wasn't there. He had gone away on a work experience. So I was with his parents and his cousin, Patrick, all of whom I got on with very well. And it was his mother, Albert, who undertook to write to me. Jean-Marc was away for quite a lot of the time just then on different sorts of work placements. So she would write to me and she did that regularly over the next 30 or 40 years. Of course, in all that time, I've been to stay with him and his family every year since 1970, and he or members of his family have been to stay with me many times, not as many, but nearly as many times. So that's 50 years of visits and meeting up and doing things together. And he has three children. I now know five generations of his family. I knew his grandmothers on both sides his parents' generation, his generation, obviously, his children, who are my godchildren, and now their children, Jean-Marc's grandchildren. So our friendship has blossomed in lots of different directions, including geographical, in that his family is now all over France as well as elsewhere in the world. So I have the opportunity to meet up with them in many contexts and many times, and it's brought a great benefit to my life, which continues even now, nearly 50 years later. I should add my thanks to my language teachers back then, Mr and Mrs Manfield, who supported me in my wish to go and do an exchange in France by putting me in touch with the organisation who dealt with that, at the time called the Central Bureau and now called the British Council. Language teachers do amazing things for people. Wow, heartwarming indeed. Really amazing stuff. Thank you so much for sharing it with the MFL Twitter I podcast and all of our listeners. Next up, we have Madam R, who's uh, sharing with us the value of applying for the ISA, the International School Award, 
and taking a whole school approach to her global collaboration. Hi, it's Madame A. I just wanted to talk to you about the International School Award, which is an accreditation by the British Council, which provides a sort of framework for international and global activities in school. So what you need to do to apply for this award is to provide some evidence that you do international work with a number of foreign schools and plan and deliver these global and international projects linked with the schools. And the important thing that I found when we applied for the award is that you have to get as many departments and areas in the school involved as you can. It isn't just a languages department initiative. It is meant for the whole school to get on board with. So we've had pupil exchanges. We've got a yearly French exchange taking place. We've also had immersion students from our foreign partner schools coming over to stay with our pupils for a number of weeks. We've had staff exchanges where staff from our school went over to the partner schools to do work with children or provide training for staff in those schools. And in return, we've had the teachers from that school, from these partner schools, coming to us to observe teaching in Britain. And we found that it has really positive impact on the mindset of our pupils and staff and that it opened up their eyes to the fact that there is a world outside their local community and it's sometimes difficult to get that message across but we hope we've managed to do that and show them the international community that's out there and how to connect with them and how to learn from each other as such. Now we're going to hear from head teacher and champion of international collaboration Bob Ford who's going to describe some of the incredible initiatives he helped to put in place at his former school, Widing School, in the southwest of England, before moving to Moldova, of all places, to take up a new headship. Then we're going to hear from Becky Simpson, who's currently the head of languages at Widing, Emma for Widing on Twitter, who's going to give us a further snapshot of the amazing international work happening at the school. International learning is crucial to the way that Widing School has developed over the last few years and has been recognised at all sorts of levels. I suppose it was the International School Award four years ago and the work of Becky Simpson and that team that really brought together not only all the good stuff that Wydean had been doing through languages and other projects, but because of the International School Award, it gave us an audit and a plan on what we wanted to develop further. And we had a huge ambition to put global learning at the heart of the curriculum at Wydean and to create as many unique learning opportunities as possible that would transform learning, engage students and get this school looking outward again with partnerships and collaborations that went way beyond the Forest of Dean and the M4 corridor and really engaged the wider world. So some of those um, projects have been used through technology, so regular weekly Skype classroom sessions with partnerships around the world, Moldova, Indonesia, Russia, Canada, North America. We don't miss the opportunity to use the fun side of this in celebrations of things like Language Days and E-Twinning Day, Chinese New Year. All of these things help create a global learning culture in the school and in this community in particular to make sure that we have this positive school culture and that we are an outward-facing global school. And I think that's really important in broadening the curriculum and introducing more learning opportunities and giving the students more skills and giving the staff CPD and professional development opportunities that they wouldn't have had before, talking to colleagues, not just down the road, but all around the world. And uh, I feel that it's uh, added to a very unique and meaningful and desirable education that we offer here at Wydean. We're all very proud of it. 
My name is Becky Simpson. I'm Head of Languages at Wydean School. Over the last four years, we've developed a lot of international work, particularly in the languages department. And one of the things we've really focused on is building a really strong relationship with our partner school in Spain, in uh, Valladolid. And one of the ways we've done that is by letter writing and lessons in Spanish and in English, which has then resulted in the same students in year 10 who started letter writing now are in year 12 and actually took part in a work experience trip to visit their pen pals at the school in Valladolid. So we went there this year in February half term and the students spent a week working as English language assistants at the school. And it was just such a fantastic eye-opening experience for them. And and I think it really gave them that opportunity to put into practice what they had learned in the classroom and to actually make them realise that they can get by without having to be 100% perfect in language and that actually the whole point is to be able to communicate. So I think for them, the realisation that they could just fit in and they could just work in a country without having to know exactly every single detail about the culture, the language, the way of life, I think really did spur them on and really didn't engage and inspire them to carry on as the week progressed. And we've also built a pen pal relationship with a school in Paris with our French groups. We have also been fortunate enough to be involved with a company, a local company in Gloucester called Inlingua, a language school. And we tend to host students from Japan, from China, France, basically all over the world. Uh, We have integration days. We host them for a day. So they study English at Inlingua and then they come over across to Wydean School for a day and spend the day with us. So that's been really important, I think, for for our students here at Wydean School, as again, it's it's opened them up to just to other cultures outside of their own and kind of brought the, the world into the classroom, really, which is what obviously we're trying to promote here at Wydean School. Retired language teacher from the Isle of Wight, Pauline Sterling, who's been involved in the e-tuning programme from the very beginning, i.e. 2005, recently went out to Rob Ford School in Moldova to help set up a new international project. Here is Pauline describing an exciting opportunity for French teachers to connect with each other and share good practice via an e-twinning group called On Muse En Classe FLE. Hello, I'm Pauline Sterling. I've recently retired from teaching mostly modern foreign languages, French and German, for 32 years. On Twitter, I'm at Pauline Sterling, capital P for Pauline, capital S for Sterling, and a three where the G should be. Even though I've retired from full-time teaching, I'm still involved in education as a British Council Schools Ambassador and e-twinning ambassador. In fact, I've been involved in e-twinning right from when it first started. At that time, I was a French teacher at a middle school on the Isle of Wight. And like most modern foreign language teachers, I was looking for ways to motivate my students. I wanted them to be able to speak French with French speakers. E-twinning is an online platform where staff and students can collaborate, communicate and develop projects, can share ideas and feel part of an online community. It's a great way for professional development of staff. There are featured groups. One of these featured groups is called On Samuse En Classe FLE. Now, this is a French as a second language group, and it's an excellent way for professional development. I'm the moderator of that group. And this can be followed on Twitter using the hashtag class FLE. So class in the French way, C-L-A-S-S-E-F-L-E, capital F-L-E. So it provides online professional development. We can share ideas, share resources and help each other set up projects. We have online events and seminars and a weekly online chat. Good thing about this group is that everything is done in French. You really should check it out and see what we have to offer.
Thank you so much for sharing that, Pauline. I think that that, you know, little thread there, Joe, from Rob to Becky to Pauline just tied such a nice bow around, you know, not just their own individual efforts, but also just the power of collaboration across borders and just how powerful it can be for our language learners. Absolutely no. And for those people listening to this who aren't really sure how to get started, I'd really recommend checking out the free face-to-face workshops, which are available to any teacher all over Europe. You just have to go to the the website of your national support service. So for us in the UK, it's the British Council. And you can see that there are opportunities there to go all over Europe to connect with other like-minded teachers and learn all together, sharing common goals, common values, and uh, promote international collaboration. Yeah, Joe, absolutely invaluable resources provided by your government over there in the UK as well as throughout Europe. I hope the teachers take advantage of these free resources to help you get started right. I know next up on our show and tell, you've got some resources all around E20. Yeah, the E20 community is a really amazing bunch of inspirational and talented teachers. I've been involved personally in the community since about 2007 and had the opportunity of going to the uh, international conference in Brussels in 2007 book arrest in 2008 and then I've taken part in many of the UK national conferences as well as smaller e-twinning events as well and I must say that for anyone wanting to get into e-twinning or starting out on international collaboration it's a really amazing community that you can be part of. So with that in mind we're now going to hear from Brucey Bonus 21 who won the overall award at last year's national UK e-twinning conference followed by Diana Linford, Global underscore MFL and Languages Dude from Ireland. This is at Brucey Bonus 21, and I'd like to explain a little about why I think e-twinning is such a great resource to use for teaching MFL, in my case in a primary setting. The virtual twin space provides a safe learning portal in which to upload and share work with the e-twinning project partners, and the projects provide a real context for language learning, whether it be in the form of writing, recording songs, or creating e-books and videos for their partners. The children find this highly motivational and want to produce the best work that they possibly can. They can even practice grammar concepts in a more enjoyable way. For example, in recent ebooks for our Cakes and Baking project, my Year Sixes had fun writing positive and negative sentences, which had to include plurals and adjectives. In turn, this has a positive impact on their self-esteem when they find that they are able to rise to these challenges in using the target language. Another advantage has been the opportunity to explore and use new web tools, such as Padlet, Trisida and Quizzes, for example. The pupils find it amazing to share their work in this collaborative way and receive feedback from their partners, sometimes in real time. A very important aspect of e-twinning is the opportunity to develop the intercultural understanding element of the language curriculum, sharing information about each other's cultures, festivals, local environments and food, for example. Most importantly, this often highlights not only the differences in the various cultures, but how much they have in common with their partners. This is often quite a revelation for my pupils, and I like to think that it will lead to them being part of a more tolerant and accepting generation as they grow up. My name is at Diana Linford, and I'm going to give you a few ideas about how I've used e-twinning to help my pupils with their language learning. One of the easiest things to do is to set up a pen friends project and e-twinning makes it easy to find a partner school. I've used this kind of exchange for my pupils to write letters and cards through the year and they really love having a pen friend in the other school. And I've used this from year one to year six. This kind of work 
gives the children a real audience for their work and they find it incredibly motivating and they see a real purpose for their language learning as well. Other projects that I've used MFL in eTwinning are video call projects where we've held a number of video calls through the year with the partner school and pupils have done things like playing games together, games like Lotto or Simon Says, or we've sung songs together, we've taught each other songs. And I've also used eTwinning not just for one specific language, but I've used it more generally to raise awareness of other languages and to make language learning fun. So we've had video calls, for example, with partner schools in Finland and Spain and Poland. And the children have exchanged vocabulary and created little mini dictionaries of vocabulary like greetings. And all of these things make language learning fun. Well, I have a long history of using eTwinning in the classroom. And over the years, many, many students have enjoyed using eTwinning. They've been motivated. They've been encouraged to use ICT. And I think their skills overall have grown, not just in confidence skills, communication skills, personal skills, but also in ICT. So I found the eTwinning fantastic way of engaging students in the classroom one of the projects that I really enjoyed working on was the QR code project that I created a few years ago and I have reused over and over. The QR codes would be used in the classroom. The students would uh, go on to eTwinning. They would type up their text in their language of learning. It could be French, German, or even some examples in English. And then they would upload them where their partners would then download them and post them around their school. It was a fantastic way of sharing languages, not just within the classroom and to the students participating in the project, but also to the whole school. So everyone was out and about in the classrooms, outside in the corridors, they would see the QR codes, and then they would be learning a language because they would re be reading it in either French or German or English. And that would also be done in our partner schools. So our work was being posted around the school, which was really motivating for the students because they were excited about the opportunity to have something posted in a school abroad. Hello, my name's Damien. I am a French and German teacher in Cumber College in Ireland. I'm also an Irish e-tuning ambassador. And I also work for the support services for post-primary school teachers here in Ireland in a part-time capacity. I really use eTwinning to promote language learning because it fits in very well with our specification at junior cycle. And it also fits in very well with our curriculum at senior cycle. For junior cycle, our students are usually between the ages of 12 to 15. And for senior cycle, our students are usually between the ages of 15 to 18. Because eTwinning is based on collaborating with other teachers throughout Europe, and then we decide on a project to do and we carry out that project on TwinSpace, I'm able to use that to my advantage when I'm planning for modern languages at both junior cycle and senior cycle. At junior cycle, our specification for MFL is based on three strands. And the three strands are communicative competence, language awareness, and sociocultural knowledge and intercultural awareness. And as you can tell from these titles, eTwinning really fits in perfectly to that. So when I'm planning a unit of learning at junior cycle, because, you know, the specification allows us so much creativity, I'm able to plan projects that complement the three strands. And because we're able to do projects on eTwinning based on pretty much anything, our students love it because they're able to interact with students their own age from all across Europe. And as a result, their language improves. 
you know, it is the same for senior cycle as well, where, you know, with the curriculum, we're able to get them interacting with native speakers. And, you know, I've seen results like you wouldn't believe. Students love a language and they love using a language. I mean, for one project that we planned, you know, it worked quite well. And we had to basically our class had to take a picture of something that represented us. And then we had to upload it to TwinSpace and we had to write about it in the target language. And then the other school did the same. And obviously, then we delivered feedback on each other's project. So the results were absolutely outstanding. And the students got to practice what they learned in class. So it was fit for purpose. Using eTwinning, to be honest, has been the best decision I've ever made because it encourages collaboration with native speakers and it allows student voice more in the class. Joe, so great to hear from both primary and secondary teachers about how they are using international collaboration in their classrooms to try and change the world. And speaking of change in the world, our next piece of audio is going to be from at Sarah Gower 27, whose school won the prestigious Tess International School of the Year Award this year, and whose story is truly inspirational. Go, Sarah. Hi, my name's Sarah Gower. My Twitter name is Sarah Gower 27. I'm a deputy head teacher at a special needs school on the Wirral called the Observatory School. The Observatory School caters for children with a range of social, emotional and mental health needs. We were absolutely delighted to win the international award at this year's TES Awards. International work began five years ago through eTwinning and last year we gained funding through Erasmus to take our pupils to actually meet their peers. At first we were really nervous about taking our children to another country. We were worried would they cope with all the changes, going on the plane, staying in somewhere new, meeting children who didn't speak English as their first language and actually engaging in the whole project. We actually had no reason to worry because our children really embraced the whole project At first they were nervous, obviously, anxious, shy, but as the first exchange progressed, they were making friends with children from Finland, Spain, Turkey, Italy and France. Winning the award has really made us think about the international work that we do and we're actually now developing languages on our curriculum. Our pupils especially those who have been on the trips, are really keen to learn a new language, which they never have done before. One, probably because learning their language is difficult, but two, because they never really had a reason to learn a language before. Most of them had never been to another country um, due to us being in a disadvantaged area. So the Erasmus trips and winning the TES Award for us has really developed our pupils' confidence and interest in learning languages. So this year, we're really pleased to say that French is now on the curriculum and we're really looking forward to seeing how much further our pupils can go with the international work. We are going to Spain in two weeks on our next international journey and we're all very excited about the visit and excited to see all of our international friends again. Yeah, truly inspirational there from Sarah. Just amazing stuff. A well-deserved award and congratulations sincerely from the MFL Twitterati podcast. Now, earlier on in the episode, I did mention the Erasmus Plus programme, which is another international programme coordinated by the British Council. And although it involves a lot more paperwork, it does come with significant funding as well for successful applicants. Now, an example of a successful Erasmus Plus project, which I've heard about recently, 
is one called United in Diversity, which has been coordinated by Botana Salgado. And in the next piece of audio, you're going to hear from her as well as her daughter talking about the benefits of being involved in an international project, and in particular, her recent visit to La Réunion, which clearly changed her life. Hello, my name is Esmeralda Salgado in Twitter, at Botones Salgado, and I'm going to talk to you today about Erasmus+. Plus. We are doing an Erasmus Plus project in our school. It's called United in Diversity. And it's just the aim of the project is to develop linguistic skills while using ICT to work collaboratively around people from La Reunion, Spain, and of course us in the UK. And it's been working absolutely wonders in developing not only the linguistic skills, that definitely have improved. And I can see how students, when they see me around the school, they are using now Spanish, they're using French to the French teacher. Students that before didn't know they would do languages for a level or for GCC, now they're taking part of the project are saying that they will definitely be doing it. But at the same time, what I've noticed is an enthusiasm for the language. And the kids have been creating groups in social media to communicate with each other. And they just talking all the time in French, in Spanish, and having real conversations about among themselves. They're learning new vocabulary, new expressions, their oral ability is much better. And I've never seen kids so enthusiastic about doing an exchange through the Erasmus project. Therefore, for me, it's all pluses with the project. And I think it's the key to make sure that languages don't die in the schools and we make them relevant. I think we need to take languages outside the classroom. And I think and I believe that we need not to teach experiences, but we need to make them. So all thumbs up for United in Diversity. Hello, my name is Indra Salgado. And a few weeks ago, I went to La Réunion as part of the French Erasmus trip. I really enjoyed the experience and thought it was an amazing trip as I learned so much about the culture, the language and the people over there. For example, we learned a lot about the different religions over there. For example, Hinduism, Buddhism, Chinese religions and much more. We also bonded very much with the French people during time that we spent at the school and made new friends and learned how to speak their language. We also learned a lot about music of the island, traditional and modern and a lot about the history of the island and how it was formed by visiting the volcano and talking about it with our French exchanges and partners. This experience has had a huge impact on me as I wasn't considering French A-level before, but now I am very much considering it as I really enjoyed the culture over there and would love to learn the language fluently. Great stuff there, Joe. Thank you so much to Botones Salgado and her daughter. And Joe, I just really love the fact that that last voice we heard there was a student and how she described how her mindset's changed as a result of this international experience because really that is what international collaboration is all about. Absolutely, Noah. I couldn't agree more. MFL Twitter Right Podcast listeners, we have arrived to the Tech Talk interview segment of this episode's podcast. And this month, we are talking to Florentino Popescu and Marina Pozo. And Joe and I were really inspired by a TES article they authored around their global collaboration titled Spreading the News, How Language Project is Helping Children to Become Global Citizens. It'll be linked in our show notes, and you'll hear us referencing it throughout the interview But the real key to this is just how these experienced language educators are bringing their classrooms together in order to engage in global collaboration and change the world. 
Today, it's our absolute pleasure to be talking to the amazing Florentina Popescu and Marina Pozzo about their fantastic global collaboration together. As you know, listeners, this episode is looking at the power of international collaboration. I was delighted to read two weeks ago Florentina's amazing article in the TES about the inspiring collaboration with both of you. So welcome to the podcast, Florentina and Marina. Perhaps to kick us off, could you start off by describing your journey so far in integrating international collaboration to promote language learning and bringing the world into your classrooms? Good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm glad you are interested in knowing more about this amazing global collaboration project with Florentina. Well, I'm from Spain and I've been teaching for 17 years and I've been working as a dual language teacher in California, in Florida, and now I just moved to North Carolina. But last year I was teaching in Spain, in Malaga, in the south of Spain. I was teaching Spanish as a foreign language and also in English. Um, because of the linguistic and cultural diversity of the area requires to prepare special education for my students, I decided to start a global project to connect with other schools. So I started with my head teacher, this project that is like a school TV, like a bilingual school TV. And we had an international program and we were connecting with other schools around the world. Awesome stuff. We'll hear more about the uh, the news channel later. But Florentina, could you introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about your background? Hello. Thank you so much for inviting us, Joe. My name is Florentina Popes and I teach French in uh, a primary school in southeast of England. Our international journey was an amazing one so far and I think it became such an important aspect of my teaching and I can definitely say that uh, I enjoy working on international projects as much as I enjoy teaching. I feel also it became an important part of our teaching and learning process in school Everybody is involved, starting with students, teachers, and also the parents. We moved uh, quickly from a small penpal project with a school in France in 2014 to international project through eTwinning and the latest one, Garcia de Lormo News. When I have connected with Marina on Twitter, I was running a famous steady travels project. Of course, most of the people using a training platform, they know about Steady Travel's project. I said uh, how interesting her project, Garcia de Lormo News, was. And I said that I want to be part of it. And Marina wanted to know more about my training projects. And this is how we started. And Florentino, for some of the U.S. listeners who might not know just what e-twinning actually means, do you mind just explaining that concept for the U.S. listeners? E-training, it's an amazing tool for an international project. It's actually a free online community for schools across Europe, which allows you to find partners and collaborate with um, schools in different projects within a secure network. You have a project, you create a project with your partner school, you submit this um, online. Once your project is approved, you can start collaborating. You can upload videos, you can upload pictures. You have a twin space where you can share ideas. Um, it's just a great learning community. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think it's really impressive the way that you met both of you via Twitter. That's fantastic. In fact, talking of Twitter, Marina, I went through your timeline once I'd read uh, Florentina's article. I was very impressed by all the collaborative work that you've been doing with schools all over the world. It was absolutely fantastic. 
And uh, I was particularly interested, I know you've mentioned it already, about the TV show idea. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about exactly how you set that up and, and how you got other schools involved with the project? Yes, by using the chroma key, we were doing like a school TV, bilingual, because my school is bilingual. So we were performing the news every week. So my students have to prepare the scripts, uh, the translations, editing videos, and for the international sections, we were contacting with other schools. So we have been contacting with Singapore, Malaysia, England, with Florentina, from the US, a lot of schools. So that, that was an amazing experience. So I contacted with Florentina and because I got a grant to move to England for two weeks, I was able to to do that project with her in England. That's amazing. So all those connections you made all via Twitter, is that right? Yes, we did a, a previous uh, Skype session with uh, her students, so they were able to meet me before my visit. I was teaching at that time in, in year six, and in year six, we offer our pupils the taste of Spanish. So I teach French across the whole school, only in year six, we teach a bit of, I teach a bit of Spanish. So it was great to have Marina introducing Spanish for some Skype lessons before we actually starting our collaboration. Amazing. So Marina, one of the things that you said in the article that really jumped out at me was a couple of sentences where you said it requires teaching values, knowledge, and skills. In addition, multiculturalism and multilingualism are present in many parts of the world today. And really for either of you, you know, to maybe expand on that, that this just wasn't about kind of linguistic exchange, but an exchange between your classrooms about a whole lot of other stuff. Sure. As I mentioned before, I have been working with students from different countries, so I believe that dual language programs provide children global perspective and the opportunity to learn different languages and cultures. So that's allowed students to have another perspective and understand the diversity. So I think bilingual education and learning different languages is not only learning grammar. It's also learning a different culture and a different way to think and see the world. And we all are connected. So we need to teach that in our schools. I couldn't agree more. Florentina, what do you think? As Marina said, the whole idea behind this collaboration was not only about teaching and learning a language. When Marina arrived in our school, she introduced herself in a school assembly. So everybody was there, all the pupils, teachers, teaching assistants. She introduced herself in a school assembly, giving the children the opportunity to think at questions they might like to ask later in our lessons. As I teach the whole school, so I teach from reception through year six, everybody has a French lesson with me during the week. Marina came with me in each lesson, and we started the lesson with Marina giving the opportunity to children to ask the questions they had for her. So they asked even questions about food in Spain, about uh, children and how they learn in school if they learn a foreign language in the same way we learn here French or Spanish. They asked a lot of questions about football, of course. Then um, it was really, really interesting, an experience we had in, in reception, for example. As I teach reception, we took the little ones to the library for Marina to read a book for them. It's Marina's book. She wrote a book called The Sueno de Magali. 
and the children came into the library very quietly, waiting for our guests uh, to read the book. And Marina said, you know, I'm coming from a different country where people speak Spanish, and I'm going to read your book in Spanish, and I'm going to tell you what happened in this book. And the children were listening really quiet in the library. We had created all this mystery around Marina and children coming to library to discover everything about Spain and everything what happened in that story. That was amazing. And also another aspect is that in year four, for example, they were working on um, traditions around the world. And Marina spent a day with the class teacher and with the pupils talking about traditions in her country. I love how you say that. And, you know, one of the things that that kind of also connects with in your article was around how you taught the same topics so the pupils could make connections between the languages in real time to help them identify the similarities, differences, and even the same patterns. And, you know, one of the things that I know I as a language teacher and a lot of us default to is focusing on cultural comparisons through things that are different. And one of the things that really left out to me just listening to you there as well as what you wrote in the article is that you all made connections through things that are similar as well. Yes, I love teaching for similarities as well. To be honest, I often look at what is similar first because I think this is more encouraging when learning languages. Then we look at differences, of course. But having Marina teaching alongside me in real time, the same topic was just the perfect example about how language works. I have explained my students for many times before that, before having Marina, that once you learn a language, it's very easy to learn another language, especially if this is a Latin language, as in our case, we're learning French, Spanish is a Latin language, and I have explained they are similar. But that was just explaining when I had Marina with me in the classroom, teaching the same topic, that was the practical part of the lesson, when they realized that that is real. Yeah, that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's so inspiring to hear both of you talk in this way. So how do you think the children reacted? How did they respond to having the opportunity? It's a fantastic opportunity because Marina was able to get the grant to come to your class for two weeks. Were they very positive about the experience? Did you have parents saying things to you? How did that work out? The children absolutely loved the lessons and having Marina in school. They have started straight away to greet Marina in Spanish. <laughs> They've tried to ask different questions like, how are you? The parents emailed the school to say that they are really, really happy with the school providing this kind of experience for the children. And even one dad tweeted the school saying that their son returned in the evening at home saying, hola, like he knew Spanish since forever. <laughs> so Marina's visit had a 100 percent positive impact. And Marina, how did you feel about visiting uh, Florentina School? That was an amazing experience because I was also learning and I didn't expect that welcome. So it was great because they were learning how to speak in French and they were making connections with both languages and they were able to see one person that was speaking in French and one person that was speaking in Spanish. And they were able to see the difference of this is this language and this is the other language. And also I think it was great because they were not only learning how to speak Spanish, they were meeting a person that were coming from Spain and they were able to see why we need to learn a different language. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just superb, absolutely superb stuff. So you mentioned earlier, Florentina, about the Teddy Project, which is like a classic uh, e-twinning project that uh, lots of different schools have done. But for maybe for those people who aren't aware of exactly how it works, could you describe what you did for the project and how did Marina get involved with that as well? Yes. 
Teddy packs a bag and starts traveling. That's the name of the project. It is a classic twinning project. It involves um, as many partners as you like. So you choose your partner school and then you decide the topics you want to talk about or you want to work on with your pupils. I have started the project two years ago, working with a school from France and a school from Poland. We sent the Teddy from England to France and they send the Teddy from France to Poland with letters and a couple of presents for the children. And we looked at what transports Teddy used to travel from England to France. What about from France to Poland? What currency do they have there? What uniforms they wear at school? It's a great project because um, you can organize also Skype sessions with the schools you are working with. And we actually had the first session with both schools. The session was in, in English, so we use English as a um, communication language. And it was amazing to see the children actually communicating in real time and asking questions each other. And talking of questions, did they ask any sort of interesting questions that were particularly memorable or funny or what have you? Most of the questions were related to school, how is school in France, how is school in Poland, if they learn a foreign language and how they find learning English in their schools. But uh, afterwards, we had actually some really nice conversations because they realized the children in France and the children in Poland don't wear uniform. So we had so many conversations about uh, if it's important or not to wear uniform at school, what are the positives and negatives of wearing uniform and so on. Well, that's, that's a really powerful experience for them. That's really amazing. And also how motivated my children were after receiving the letters from Poland or for, from France or after our Skype session when they realized how good the pupils in France or in Poland were with their English. They all said, we want to do better in French. We want to learn better French. We can do this. And what was that like for the children? Was it a bit of a novelty in, in our digital age to receive a handwritten letter? They absolutely love the letters. Personally, I think each letter comes with the personality of the person who wrote that letter. The children loved the letters. We looked at the beautiful Polish handwriting. They had the chance to draw different things on the letters. We received a lot of glitter with the letters. Yes, it was amazing. And we loved reading the letters and actually touching the letters. And they, they were able to get the letters at home and show to their parents and say, this is my new friend from Poland and or this is my new friend from France and um, it was nice to share with them and with the parents uh, this experience. That's lovely and Marina when you sent letters to Florentina as well how did your children react to that opportunity? Well I love Teddy's project and I brought the letters with me Uh, so the letters and Teddy they were flying back to Spain with me so when my students saw the letters they were so excited and my students, the ones that are learning how to speak in English, they were, for the first time, they really wanted to write in English. So they realized that you are learning a language for, for something. So they were making new friends. So yeah, that was a great experience. Marina, Florentina, just such inspirational stories that you're sharing around how you created this connection. And I we all dream about parents calling into the school saying, my kid is so excited because of language class. And, you know, it, it really jumps out to me something that, you, again, going back to the article where you really started out for into just saying, I hope they'll remember that French lessons were more than just learning about grammar rules, pronunciation as tenses. Through our French classes, we have connected. And, you know, I, I'm just really curious, you know, what do you and, and Marina, you know, when you anticipate 5, 10, 20 years from now, what, what do you hope students remember from this? Well, 
This is the thing. I hope they will remember. That it's all. I hope they will be able to tell their children how different and interesting French was. And I hope they will have stories to say about this. You know, when I was in school, my French teacher had so many interesting projects with schools from different countries or when I was at your age and so on. So I hope they will remember. I'm sure. And what about you, Marina? What do you hope they will remember in 10 or 20 years time? I consider myself have a world teacher because of my overseas professional experiences. So I think that is a great example for my students because they will be able to see the world beyond the walls. Yeah, I think that's a good example for them. One follow-up question around the letters themselves and, you know, not, not to harp uh, on things that aren't totally positive, but also on the challenging side, right? That when we do something like this, what kind of expectations did you have for your students as far as just how correct things were with their grammar, with their spelling, and, you know, how much, what, what, what should, do you think is reasonable expectations for teachers planning activities like this for global exchange with other classrooms, just on the time side of how right things should be and what does it look like to get things right enough in order for it to still be an amazing, effective uh, experience for the children? We have in our school, it's okay to make mistakes approach. Even as the teachers, we have a little card with us in the lessons with a funny face and a message saying, whoops, I've made a mistake. We only try to encourage children that making mistakes is part of the learning process. So for our international projects and our experience, we know it's okay to make mistakes because we are learning from them. When you make mistakes, you are more likely to be tolerant when others make mistakes. So we play, we have games, um, we know that it's okay to make a little grammar mistake or to make a little spelling mistake, that's fine, as long as you realise you've made the mistake and we try to correct that for the future. Great answer, Florentina. What do you think, Marina, about the balance between fluency over accuracy? Well, I'm an English learner too. So when I'm teaching to my students, especially now that I'm teaching in dual language and my students are learning subjects in English and in Spanish at the same time, I know that it's not going to be fluent. So it's just practicing. So I create different situations where they can practice their languages and interacting with other students, like a station, playing games and they know that it doesn't have to be a perfect grammar it's just practicing and the idea of learning a language is communication so just practicing they will be able to be more fluent Yes, absolutely. Communication is incredibly important when learning a foreign language, trying to give things a go, having confidence to try things out, to experiment and not to be obsessed about being accurate all the time. I couldn't agree more. Now, on that point, those listeners of the MFL Twitterati podcast know that Noah and I are big fans of Flipgrid. And knowing that uh, you, Marina, you've used Flipgrid in relation to the projects you've been involved in, could you maybe talk a little bit about how you've been using Flipgrid and GridPals in particular for those collaborations that you've been involved in to keep up our audience? Yes, to contact with other schools to prepare our news program, we were using Skype like we did with England. But because of the time difference, we were not able to contact with schools from the US or Singapore. So I started using Flipgrid with a teacher from Massachusetts and then with a teacher from Singapore. And it was great because they were able to have a international friend and they sent videos, like a short video 
videos about introducing themselves, talking about their countries. So teachers are able to control the time that they are going to use and the topic that they are going to talk about. I think it's great. And also you can use it to talk with other teachers from different countries. Yeah, superb. Now, just going back to the uh, news channel that you created, you talked about Chroma Key earlier. So for those people who maybe haven't heard about that before, that's using green screen. So my understanding is that essentially you contacted the different schools, they recorded their videos with a green screen background, and then you added the graphics, the stills or the, the videos as a background when you edited everything together in iMovie. Is that right? Yes, we first started a communication with that school and then we talk about what do you want to show in my program. So they prepare a short video about their school. It could be with a green screen or it could be like showing how the real school was. And then my students edited the video like a real news program. Marina, the news program that you put together for the Olmo News uh, cast is just super inspirational. And so really just wondering from a kind of ed tech perspective, what did it take for you to put all that together for anyone who wants to kind of take your idea and run with it? And then, you know, one of the things that I think is just mind blowing about this project is for Tina, for your students to be able to be appearing on the news program at another school, you know, what was that like? And, you know, does that validate that the effort is just totally worth it? Well, I think we need to start changing the role we are giving to the students in the class today and we need to provide them like an active role in the class. That's why this program, I think, is a great idea to get involved all my students because they were editing videos, they were preparing the scripts, they were making the translations, they were talking to other schools. So I think this is the point about using technology and giving them like a responsible way to learn and I think social media is nowadays in their lives so we need to teach them the importance of being responsible about using technology. And Florentina how did your children react to taking part in the newscast? I'm sure they absolutely loved it. They were really really proud to be part of a news program especially because it looked so real. When Marina finished editing and she sent us the video and we were able to watch the Garcia del Olmo news we showed this uh, in a school assembly and all the children participating in the news, they were really proud. They came at the front, they received some nice certificates from the school for all their hard work. And um, they basically could show, yes, we were able to be on the news and we were able to use our language skills because we had our news program in French and Spanish and English language skills. It was amazing. They feel valued. They feel proud. They could see that they were able to show, to prove how good they are in, in a foreign language. Wow, what a perfect way to finish the interview. Thank you so much, both of you, for, as Noah would say, sharing your genius with the world. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about your amazing collaboration, and it's perfect for this episode, which is focusing on international collaboration. So thank you so much for sharing your genius with the world. Absolutely, Joe. You nailed it. Sharing their genius with the world, indeed. I'm so much great stuff in this episode's Tech Talk interview. For me personally, I mean, as great as they both are, one of the things that really stuck with me is Marina and just her endless energy and time. Like, I don't know if she's a computer, a robot, or what, that she's able to just be bouncing all over the world. And I, I just wish I could have been a fly on the wall for when she actually showed up in person at Florentina's school. 
Yeah, definitely. I think they're both perfect examples of the power of international collaboration, which is, of course, why we wanted them to appear on the podcast. I thought the uh, the web TV show that Marina's been putting together is really inspirational. And I think the way in which that um, Florentina started the Teddy Project, how she connected with Marina via Twitter, uh, just shows the power of social media in this context. I just think it's really, really amazing stuff and uh, perfect for the episode, for sure. So listeners, we're coming towards the end of the episode, nearly time to wrap up. And thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Linguascope, for sponsoring this podcast. Absolutely, Joe. And listeners, if you have not yet, make sure you head over to linguascope.com slash podcast. Again, that amazing promotional offer goes through the end of October. You can get 10 free pounds to spend on downloadable products from their online shop. That includes ebooks, downloadable songs, e-posters, the stickers that Joe mentioned, there's 70 per pack, 10 pounds free. Again, that's linguoscope.com slash podcast, and then enter her promo code podcast at checkout. As Joe mentioned, that is the end of episode nine of the MFL Twitterati podcast. And Joe, what do we have coming up as a quick preview for episode 10? Coming up in episode 10 of the MFL Twitterati podcast, we're going to be focusing on the teaching of Mandarin Chinese, as well as the Mandarin Excellence Program coordinated by UCL and the British Council in the UK. Fantastic stuff, Joe. And I know I'm really excited to shine a light on this less commonly taught language through the lens of the MFL Twitterati podcast. And listeners, we are still collecting audio for our show and tell section. So if you and or your colleagues are teachers of Mandarin, please do get in touch with Joe and myself in order to share your genius with the world. The MFL Twitterati Podcast, celebrating the voices of the modern language teaching community. If you've enjoyed this episode of the MFL Twitterati Podcast, please rate and review us on Apple's podcast app so more language teachers can find us. You can subscribe to the MFL Twitterati Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For information, go to our podcast site, mfltwitteratipodcast.com, where there are lots of references to this episode's content and all the previous episodes too.